Join us for a savory treat as we interview the woman behind New Hampshire-based pretzel brand and her dedication to creating an inclusive workplace. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, I'm a snacker. I don't know if you know that about me. Oh, what's what's (laughs) your guilty pleasure of choice? Oh, um, unfortunately, it's potato chips. Ah, (laughs) so you're a savory guy. Uh, well, you know, different times of day for different things. So last night, for example, I like, I came up from a bunch of work all day. It was like five, five thirty, And, um, I just was like having a hankering for chips. So I'm, I'm sitting there eating a bowl of chips, which is horrendous, but uh, you know, it is what it is after a long day. And then, um, it's like the, you know, usually two, three o'clock in the afternoon where I'll, I'll have like a, a glass of warm water. This is like, makes me sound like an old man and something sweet, you know, and, and that's like, I know, sorry. I, no, I totally. have to know the temperature exactness of that warm water. What's that about? Well, I don't know. So, well, I do know it's, it's, um, it comes up, we have one of those, uh, those jugs of, of water that it's, you know, the water cooler. So it's cold water and hot water. And it's I, I put hot water in a in a mug and sure I could make tea, but I just drink the hot water oh. and eventually it gets warm and then it gets cold and then I give it to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just but, went on such a journey getting to know you, you better. Did, <laughs> I feel like we had something in our lunch or you know, who knows? Who knows? Um but I have to tell you though, I'm excited for our guest because I had a random encounter one day with her products, I was in Franconia, not too far from my house. I think I just had a haircut. I had to go like grab a snack or something for lunch real quick because I was going somewhere else. And I walk into this little shop in Franconia and right at the door is this giant display of Port City pretzels. And I was like, oh, what are these? And I grabbed the mustard, the honey and mustard ones. Mm-hmm. And I am, I have been a an, an addict ever since, basically. <laughs> Um, and so that's just the, that's just me. Um, so I'm very, very excited to, to talk about this and also to, um, make the mouths of our guests water at some point too. But, um, that's enough about my snack, uh, my snacking. Um, are you, are you a snacker? What is your favorite snack? I should say. Oh, well, you know, body by snack here. Um, you know, I'm a sweet guy, so, you know, I, I, I have a sweet tooth. So, and if it's got caramel in it, forget about it. But I do like, you know, popcorn and pretzel, another go-tos and, uh, you combine those together. Uh, not the popcorn and pretzels, but sweet and savory. I'm in mm. chocolate covered yeah. pretzels, kettle okay. corn. Oh yeah, that that that's my jam. Oh yeah. See <laughs> now I'm hungry. This is the problem. I know. <laughs> well, before we um before we get too hungry, let's um let's have a conversation with a great guest this week. So our guest this week is Suzanne Foley, owner of Portsmouth-based Port City Pretzels. At age 55, Suzanne found herself struggling to get back on her feet. In a very short period of time, she had lost her dad, her sister, her job, and her dog. When her thoughts turned to better times, she remembered the taste that always brought her comfort. 
In 2015, she took her family's famous pretzel recipe, added her own special twist, and launched the Port City Pretzels brand name. The majority of her employees are disabled, the business is 100% woman-owned, and the company proudly represents the LGBT community. Suzanne's mantra, believe in yourself and the goodness of others. When she's not on a yoga mat or on the reformer in Pilates class, she's skiing, golfing, or in her happy place in the kitchen, experimenting with new recipes. Suzanne, it is such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Matt and Nathan. I really appreciate it so much for uh, having me come out here. I feel pretty special. Well, you should. You should. You're doing some great stuff. Um, and we'll get into all of that, you know, you and the company, all of that. But um, maybe start out by, um, like I was saying earlier, making our listeners' mouths water and maybe their ears perk up a little bit by sharing that origin story of Port City Pretzels um, and maybe the flavor lineup, too, at the end. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, you know, I'm sitting here and I, I think uh, I've got a new idea for a flavor lineup, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. You heard I'm listening to this savory sweet. So um, there's that there's that fine line. So I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, right. You know, um, seven years ago, yeah, it was a, a tough time. I, I, and I think the reason why I try not to forget that is, you know, you can't always forget where you're from, right? Um, and I also always want to inspire other folks that are maybe at a low point. And, you know, when I was at that low point, as you explained in the beginning, and uh, losing a job and sitting in an unemployment is uh, really humbling, and uh, something that um, I hope not everybody has to go through, but it's, um, it's, it's tough. And I just remember sitting there, you know, a career businesswoman, always had, you know, a wonderful career. And, and I thought to myself, I, I can't work for anybody else. You know, I've got to, uh, I have to, I have to do something for myself. I have to, uh, I have to come up with, um, some kind of business because I'm such a hard worker. My work ethic is a little insane and of which any entrepreneur you meet is going to have that kind of work ethic. Um, so, uh, you know, sitting there, I started thinking about these pretzels that I had had about 30 years prior. And at that time, you know, it was a, just a homemade recipe um, on the pretzels. And I thought, you know, these could be marketable someday. And there I was sitting in that unemployment meeting and uh, I came up with the idea. Um, the state actually has a wonderful program called Pathways to Work and I applied for that. They kind of held my hand in the beginning um, as did everybody else from the Small Business Association. And uh, we just started, you know, little baby steps of starting to do the recipe in my kitchen and expanding on it and um, just one step at a time. And that was only seven years ago, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so what have you grown the company into today? Can you talk about, you know, number of employees and, and sure. where you're distributed? And Sure. Um, well, I, I think, um, well, the most exciting thing is my employees. So, Right now on the books, we have just about 25 employees, not all full-time, and I'm in uh, about 10,000 square feet looking to double that within the next couple of months because we've run out of space. Um, And then um, we are where I am. 
you know, this is, I have to be honest with you. I don't know everywhere where I am. Like I've gone into a ski, uh, <laughs> I went skiing one time and I went into the, uh, the cafeteria and I was like, oh my goodness, my pretzels are there. <laughs> so it's kind of a little crazy. Um, it's because the distributors don't tell you where you are. Um, I am uh, distributed mainly in the Northeast and, um, you know, New England is a chip uh, area. So I'm, I'm in competition with everybody as it is. I because know all I'm about doing... that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so we're, again, primarily in the New England area, Northeast area, um, penetrated in Texas, and then starting to um, push down into Virginia and Washington and uh, trying to let the rest of the country taste these little goodies. And uh, so I would, uh, you know, we um, estimate about 2000 storefronts in the country. And how many wow. different flavors do you offer of your pretzels? Right now, I have four. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, you'll have more. Tomorrow, yeah, I do have another great idea. Um, I can't say it, though. Gosh, <laughs> I can't. But I can test them on you guys. That's what I'll do. <laughs> but, I mean, you went from never owning your own business and working for other people and making that leap. And that entrepreneurial leap is always a big step. I yeah. mean, not yeah. lots of people think and dream of doing it. Very few actually make that leap. Can you talk, but not only did you take the leap, you took a leap in a very competitive field. The food, and I don't have to tell you, especially the snack sector is so competitive and getting onto the shelves is amazingly hard. So can you talk about what it took to build the brand that you have to the point where you are have gotten this traction where you are on shelves and walking into ski areas and finding like, oh, I'm here. Um, what did that take? Well, it, it took patience. I was never in in a hurry. I was never, um, oh my gosh, I got to, you know, make, you know, a million dollars or anything like that. Like that's never, you know, in reality, that's doesn't even come close (laughs) to what we deal with every day. Um, But it was just, you know, I was happy to make a product that I originally thought would be fun to sell just in Portsmouth and maybe the Seacoast area and then dreaming that wouldn't this be really cool to do in the whole state. And I just tried to get as much education as I could to learn about, um, you know, what it's like to be in this industry, in the snack industry. So I went to the fancy food show and I took their classes on, you know, so say you want to bring a product to market, you know, and I learned as much as I could. And honestly, it's, there's been a lot of thought and suggestions behind me. So it's not just me. I feel like I've had a lot of support in the background at the same time, but yeah, it is a big leap. And I can remember um, the f- I, I sold to 10 stores. And I think it was like 48 hours later, I had all 10 stores had called back to make another order. And, I mean, it was overwhelming to me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. And sometimes I have to stop and realize how cool this is because you know you're always dealing with you know problems and headaches and you've got to have the tenacity and uh, you've got to have the gumption and and I do you know and and, and it is a tough industry CPG mm. consumer packaged goods is a tough industry to be in but um, you know it's fun 
It's the other side <laughs> of it. It's good. fun. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, being a career businesswoman. What are some of your past careers that have sort of, um, you know, prepared you for today, as it were? Well, I'm a numbers person. So I really, you know, love staring at spreadsheets and analytics. And, you know, that I think is a really key component for entrepreneurs to realize that it's not, you know, you've got to know what your costs are, um, all of that stuff. So that that comes naturally to me. Of course, now I'm at the point where, you know, I thank goodness I have an accountant because it's beyond (laughs) me right now. But um, certainly having that um, business background has helped uh, quite a bit. What were the industries you worked in? I worked, well, I was a business manager. So I've worked in higher ed, I've worked in medical, and I worked for a trade show company. So that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I want to dig a little bit na- deeper, maybe into the past, as it were. Um, I'm really curious about the the what what it is about your past or your upbringing or experiences in life that have led you to be the type of leader and inclusive business person that you are. Uh, well, you know, um, when I think back as a child, um, I remember my dad had a wonderful job with IBM. And interestingly enough, he was 55, and he left his job to start his own business. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, in boats. Um, and we moved up to New Hampshire. We were from New York. And mm-hmm. my dad, I just remember, he would always hire folks that seemed like they were having a tough time. It was just interesting. And I, I, for the life of me, I have no idea what the labor market was like way back then. But I do remember we were always, sometimes we'd house people, uh, you know, maybe they were homeless, but we, that was coming from my dad and my mom, uh, you know, that always felt, you know, a, a give back. And so that must be ingrained in me. And to be honest with you, that's something I've, I've kind of thought about more recently is like, where did this come from? So I really appreciate you asking that question, Nathan. Well, I was, you know, everyone has sort of a foundation and, and where we come from, you know, and, and our influences and all that. And they, it, there's all different types of influences. And it just really, it sparked me in, in even looking at your website and how you feature all of your employees and you're very open and, uh, and honest about who they are and, and what you're supporting and what you're doing. And it's just like, wow, wow. Um, uh, there's a number of folks in the world that can certainly learn from you. And, and I hope that everybody does in this case, now that we're telling the story wider here. But uh, thank you for, for delving into that. And I do want to explore a bit, you know, that tipping point in life. I mean, Nathan kind of spelled out all of the tragedies and challenges that came at you pretty much at once. And any one of those would be enough to kind of set someone back. And um, I want to know, how did you get through that time and, and able to lift yourself up to the point where you were taking on this huge new chapter in your life. Um, because for a lot of people, when that when those kind of tragedies and personal setbacks happen, you can easily just get mired down in them. And, and life kind of stalls out a bit. So what was it about your reaction to that that allowed you to take the step you did? I think it was just, you know, inner strength, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it was, you're right, it is a choice of what to do. 
And a lot of us have been really at that low point. And honestly, it was one of the lowest points um, in my life, but I'm healthy. I had two beautiful children. Um, things are really okay. You know, come on, let's, let's go. Let's, you know, pick yourself up and let's move forward. And let's put as much as we can into doing something, you know, that you love. I know that sounds kind of funny, but it's, it's the truth. And I wish there was a way I could bottle that up um, for, you know, when people do feel that way and feel so low uh, and there's no other choice, you know, you can keep going the other way or you can just let's go forward. And that's what I did. It was just let's go forward and realize there's a, there's a lot of good out there. There really is. I mean, every, you just look, you know, taking every day and finding something good about it because it's really easy to find the bad, I guess. <laughs> Right. Very, very easy. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was deep. I hope that was answering your question. That, we, <laughs> that was we a like great deep, answer. You know? <laughs> thank you. We like deep and, and yeah. getting into it and get it and, and understanding. So thank you. Um, let's talk about your team. You mentioned about 25 employees, uh, a number of whom may be differently abled. Um, highlight that team for us. Who are the folks that do uh, do the work with and for you and to, to grow this brand? Yeah, well, this is my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, it, it took me a while because when I was first starting and I knew I needed employees, I was actually my daughter is a mental health counselor and had worked with um, unique individuals. And she you know, says, Mom, you know, there's a whole pool of people out there, whether it's incarcerated workers or it's, you know, homeless that need to have a job that you feel okay about. And um, other workers that may have diagnosis from, you know, Asperger's to autism, um, to Downs. And so it was a no brainer to me. It was like, yeah, of course, you know, it's hard work. As long as, you know, these guys or gals can work, then great. It doesn't, it just doesn't, uh, make a difference to me. And so I, I bring that up because I was, this was in my mind, I was really cautious about anybody ever thinking that, okay, I have this unique workforce and therefore, you know, you should buy my pretzels. So it was really, and I know that's in my head and I know I got to stop thinking about that, but it's, um, I guess the point is now I want to share it because if mm -hmm. I can share it, then more people can, because to me, it's a no brainer and it's a no brainer. We just hired somebody new the other day and um, his first, his first day, his, his aide that was with him actually started tearing up and uh, the mom, you know, was just ecstatic because apparently he was opening up out back. He was talking to the other workers that maybe were kind of like him. So he felt comfortable. And um, look, I know I got to sell pretzels and we got to make a profit. But to me, if this is the gift that I can give to the world, then I can spread my message and have uh, more people um, just open up their businesses to these employees. And let's let's do it. Well, and speaking of that, I mean, first of all, we should note that you were recognized by uh, the Diversity Workforce Council for uh, your commitment to um, having a diverse workforce. But there's... As we know, employers are 
um, desperate for workers and talent. There's a shortage. And yet still, people with disabilities are being overlooked in the workforce. Can you talk about what some of the myths or concerns you know that other business people have, whether it's from stories from your employees about previous uh, employment opportunities or discussions you've had? What are some of those things that maybe hold businesses back and what do they need to know about why they should take a closer look at this segment of the population that wants to work but is facing a lot of prejudice? Well, I think... Again, this is just my opinion. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think one of the things is maybe companies feel like they need to make a lot of accommodations, you know. And it really, it's it's in our, we've had to make our very little accommodations. Maybe our checklists are a little more detailed. Maybe someone that's been working with us for five years, we still have to kind of remind them, you know, how to mop every day. You know, maybe there's a little bit of reinforcement that needs to come along, but the more you build this, you know, reinforcement for these workers and they take on this independence, that's, I think, the most wonderful thing is these employees take on a sense of independence um, and just want to work and want to do a good job. But I, you know, I remember one time talking to a manufacturing group that were interested in hiring a diverse workforce and you know, there was a lot of questions about how it affected the, uh, you know, the um, how fast the workers were working and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like, it just caught me off guard. It's like, well, okay, this is how, I mean, these, these guys work hard. These guys and gals that work for me, we work hard. You know, we need to do 60 batches a day within a shift, and that's what we need to do. So nobody's not, you know you know, not working as hard as they they need to. So I don't know if that's something that companies are really concerned about is productivity. Our productivity is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, these workers show up every day. They're thankful. They're happy to be there. And they get the job done. And uh, we, again, they work really hard. So I, I wish there was you know, I guess other employees can come see, you know, take a look at us on a Wednesday, you know, we've got our music blaring and everybody's working really hard. And, (laughs) you know, we just um, are getting the job done. It just, and again, some workers may find um, it's not all production. So I've had one uh, worker that was um, blind uh, and trans, actually, and their job was our social media. And so they were posting things. Yeah, you know, so you also kind of want to, I feel, and shouldn't all employers want to, you know, have a win-win situation so that employees, you know, love coming to work every day. They like what they're doing. So I think that that's what we try to accomplish a little bit. Did that answer your question in a roundabout way? No, that was impressive. Oh, man. Impressive. Um, (laughs) Well, Actually, Matt, you know what? We'll do a quick break and then um, and then we'll come back. So we'll be right back. McLean Middleton is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. 
Okay, we are back with Suzanne Foley of Port City Pretzels. Um, Suzanne, I think I first encountered you uh, in a presentation of folks that had been through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. Um, And I was very impressed, uh, and I think I mentioned that when I first reached out to you, uh, in terms of uh, your success and and sort of what the program had had done for you to to help you uh, plan for the future, as it were. Um, Would you mind uh, sort of explaining the Goldman Sachs uh, 10K Small Business Program to our listeners, and then maybe just talk about your experience and, and what you got from that oh yeah well it's it, it's like a you know mini mba in entrepreneurialism <laughs> that's a stretch of a word um it just it, it was it seemed almost too good to be true you know when i originally signed up and i was in the first cohort for the state of new hampshire and um, i signed up for the program you had to meet some minimum requirements you know you had to have a certain amount of uh, revenue each year and and employees, so I met the criteria, signed up for it, and then I'm reading about it. I'm like, this is this is incredible. And then I like, then I kind of got competitive. Like I really wanted to get in. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to do it. Um, so I, I did. Uh, I was fortunate to be able to be accepted into the program, and we met. Um, we met, I can't remember exactly the, the time limit, but there definitely was a time commitment that to this day, as busy as I am, if the program was repeated, I can step away and do the, do the program again. Uh, mm. It just touched on a little bit of everything, how to grow your business, um, everything from HR to negotiating, to financing, to marketing. It was incredible. Like I said, it's like a mini mini MBA for entrepreneurs. It was fantastic is right. What were some of the biggest lessons that you pulled from it or or things that you learned that really helped you to progress the business? Confidence. Confidence. You know, that I could You don't strike me as someone had to learn that. (laughs) No, I know. But I'm not really like that. (laughs) Just like... You have to be like this in this business. You know, sometimes I'll say to my manager, I'll be like, outside of here, I'm really different. (laughs) 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 It's a tough industry. No, it did. Because there is a lot of confidence that has to come from growing a company. There is. And it's just me. You know, I wish there was, you know, a couple more of me, you know, in this together. So the program you know, reminded me of the tools and reminded me of the things like, okay, if you want to do this high, you know, you've got to hire and you've got to, you know, delegate. And I I know all that stuff, but entrepreneurs act like they know everything. (laughs) There's a lot they can learn. So yeah, definitely confidence. Well, it's true. There's, and I think there's a perception too, you know, if you're a successful entrepreneur, um, you know, you knew how to get there the whole time. And the fact is, is that entrepreneurs are risk takers, which means you're going to take risks that don't always pay off. Can you talk about what was the biggest challenge or mistake that you made along the way? And how did you get beyond it? Oh, man, which mistake? (laughs) (laughs) Dealer's choice. Yeah, I used to be, oh, you name it. Um, I've made a mistake by, you know, not not paying myself or realizing what, 
you know, that I've got to take a paycheck, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't do this for free, you know, that this, you know, the numbers have to work. So that was probably the first mistake. I've had a really, really difficult time with equipment and dealing with equipment companies. That's hard. It's hard. And, Find the uh, right vendors and partners, yeah. Oh, it's that's a tough one. And um, lots of mistakes along the road. And I'm, you know, sitting on a huge piece of mistake equipment in my facility right now. And again, oh. it's that tenacity. I can either roll over and cry or just go, okay, let's keep moving here. <laughs> We've got we to gotta form a plan. So there is always lots of mistakes and you just learn from it. And it's how each one of those little mistakes has given me a little bit more confidence, you know, okay, mm-hmm. done it, done, check, let's go, move on to the next. And I guess conversely, what were those aha moments or were there's a certain moments where you feel like, yeah, I hit it out of the park, that was the right choice, and it was something that really helped to advance the company? Well, interestingly, that just uh, more recently, this to me is an aha moment, mm-hmm. It's a little difficult because New Englanders don't like change. <laughs> so we've Is it changed. Just New Englanders, but yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I know. Um, I've made a decision to clean the product up a little bit. So take the uh, artificial flavors, the palm oil, and the corn syrup uh, out of the out of the pretzels. So it changes things up a little bit. It makes the pretzels a little bit crunchier. I think it's the right decision for growing. Mm-hmm. And that that was an aha moment for me. Um, you know, it's people don't like change. You know, why would you change something when it's so great? And I'm like, well, in the end, this is the right thing to do. Again, it's taking that risk. And so, yeah, well, and I was, um, oh, sorry, Matt. What I was going to say just really quickly was that I, I think what you're doing is you're understanding your consumer, right? You're understanding that people don't necessarily want those things or they're reading labels or they're they're more uh, cognizant of what they're putting in their bodies and making that choice. So on the other side of the the don't make change, some people probably see the label and go, make change. <laughs> well, I appreciate that coming from a true lover of Slim Jims and everything else bad in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it comes out right here. I love right? that. That is not something that I knew. So, you know, here it is, right on BizCast NA. The true lover of Slim Jims. <laughs> oh, man, they're good. <laughs> change is hard, and not just on the consumer end. I mean, change is hard in a company. And uh, and for a founder, you know, you took a family recipe and made it a success. For a lot of people, they they would say, why mess with something I'm doing well? You know, why, why do I want to change. What did you go through when you were looking at maybe the the need to change and how did you accept that yourself and then drive that through your company as to why that change was important? I had a little help with supply issues. Ah, the supply (laughs) chain. Yes, I had some help there. And, you know, you just get to a point, you're like, okay, enough. We need to make a change and we need to make a change that's more positive. And um, so that's, yeah, that's what starts that process. 
And I'm curious because the supply chain issue, there's, it always comes up, I'm amazed at what it affected. So what for you was disrupted in the supply chain that prompted this? Um, well, um, the, the manufacturers, I, I co-source um, a couple of my products right now. So my recipes are made um, down in Maryland and we get them in in 50 pound boxes and we weigh it out. So it's, that's kind of cool. I'm such big stuff now. <laughs> and then um, my pretzels, I have co-sourced um, elsewhere as well. And it just was getting really difficult. Uh, freight, bringing the freight in was getting difficult. Um, sourcing and getting the squeeze. And um, I'm, I can't believe this, and I feel a little funny saying it, but I think I'm rubbing elbows with some of the, the big companies out there, and I don't mm-hmm. think that they like that. And I want to, like, stand up on my soapbox and go, wait, there's enough for all of us. You know, <laughs> again, it's not all about profits, and that's not where it's at. It's just uh, kind of making a fun product that everybody can enjoy, and there's, there's enough people in this world and enough stuff to go around. So, um, yeah. And so where does Port City Pretzels go from here? You know, you're rolling out a cleaner product. And so I imagine that there's some branding and marketing going on around that. Um, So what are the short-term and long-term goals here? Well, I I, I started – and, you know, this is a tough thing because you start with – all the stores that um, took you, and I think I'm, I've got 500, you know, brick and mortar stores, which are the reason that I am where I'm at today, and I'm very, very thankful for that. And so, what happens is, what's the next step? And the next step is bigger chains, and you know, we're on the shelves of Walmart, and we're on the shelves of Hannaford's, we're in uh, Shaw's, we're in Stop and Shop, and. We are talking again to a couple of the other biggies, and that's you know, that's just what happens. And I guess it's a choice to to back it off or go forward. And heck, this is fun, you know. With my workers, I'll be like, "These pretzels are going to the Piggly Wiggly in Alabama." You know, isn't this cool? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the next step: is just to keep distribution um, uh, going. So that's nice. what we're working on. And what um, what is your favorite flavor of all of yours? Oh, it hasn't come out yet, but it will soon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know I can't talk about one. it again. Right. Um, I do love the mustard and honey. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's what hooked me, Suzanne. Yeah, that's what hooked me. That's and I'm, great. That's it. That's Thank all it takes you. is a little mustard and honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, you talked about some pretty big names of shells that you got, which are not easy shelves to get on. So, you know, there are a lot of businesses that want to break on into that. What's the advice you give them? What does it take? What do they need to know to take that next step? Take your time, do things right. Um, I'm, you know, you've got to make sure that um, you know the channels to get there. Your facility is food safety certified. You know, there's so many different things. Don't don't think it's going to happen right away. Onboarding can take up to 18 months. Wow. I'm not in any hurry. You know, I because I, I well the reason I'm also not in a hurry is because we can only move as fast as we can go. Mm-hmm. So um, right now we're about five bags a minute, and we're trying to take that up to uh, thirty-five to forty bags a minute. So at that point, I can sell more. But really, to to answer your question, 
people just need to go slow. Make sure they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's and making sure that it's a product, whether it's food or it's it's an item, it's something for the consumer and they're looking at the consumer, you know, end of end product. Awesome. Well, um, Suzanne, thank you. Uh, thank you for the delicious pretzels, number one, uh, for your inclusivity as an employer uh, and, and for for you know doing what you're doing, of course, here in New Hampshire. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Um, Suzanne Foley, again, is founder of Port City Pretzels. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been fun. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.